The Start On Demand. On demand. Restrictions have once again been extended in Manitoba by two weeks this time, and yet still no timeline from the province on a possible reopening. Meanwhile, as Manitoba's COVID-19 battle continues, Montreal will have fans in its stands on Saturday, and Calgary is planning for a toned-down stampede. We meet the man in the can, Seltzy. Ryan Giesbrecht's his real name. He's one of the only two fans in the stands at Jets games. And Brett's duvet rage. My duvet cover made Brett smash on Wednesday. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Friday, May 28th podcast for the start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. I was watching the uh, Friends reunion special yesterday, and we'll have more on that in the Couch Potato segment at 7.37. But uh, while I was watching it, it just it made me think I miss my friends so much. And uh, we got the word yesterday, and we'll talk about, talk about this more in our next segment, but another two weeks at least. And uh, all I can say is I'm... Glad it's Friday, Loren. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just where we should leave it and like play some music or something for the next four hours because it, in some respects, I, I, I had a big sigh yesterday because I think we all knew this was coming. You know that that we weren't going to get to this end of, end of the week without these changes. And this is this is my only criticism. This is my biggest criticism of yesterday is that I'm done with the piecemeal approach i would rather a longer order in place personally just so that i can have something on the calendar to watch for because if you think about it that's three changes in under a week that we heard of three different changes three different dates three different sets of rules three different extensions it's been hard to keep up and it's exhausting and yeah i don't blame you for sitting down watching friends and uh having some laughs and feeling emotional because it's like well when am i going to feel normal again when we keep using the phrase normal greg what does that look like right and i think it's so hard to sometimes it's hard to even see like where what's what's may going to be like there's still four more days in may and i'm like well still lots of left in may for other things to happen so i just don't know anymore yeah i guess the biggest criticism people had of yesterday's announcement that it wasn't really much of an announcement, wasn't much of a change. They, they could have said that Tuesday. They could have come out after the long weekend saying, you know what, we're going to do the same thing for the next two right. and a half, three weeks. Yeah, and I think it would have had the same impact. Actually, in fact, I think that would have had a better impact as opposed to the hand-wringing that went on for three or four hours yesterday while we waited for uh, what we were anticipating would be an announcement of stronger measures, and they just really weren't there. And so that's fine, moving on from that. But I think you make a good point with regard to knowing when this is going to end. Uh, Brenda Brazo, Executive Director of the Manitoba Association of Parent Councils, her comment caught my attention during Jeff Braun's news. And just not knowing, sometimes, what, what do they say about death, Brett, in uh, in is it the scary movies uh the the only thing worse than death is the anticipation of death 
And I think that kids, parents, uh, all of us would like to have some sort of target. We discussed Saskatchewan laying out the reopening plan and what psychologically that could do. Mm-hmm. We heard that in the news and heard that from the Chambers of Commerce yesterday. We understand where we're at, but could we please have some sort of plan? If A happens, what will happen next? What needs to happen in order to get to this? And with regards to the schools, it's the same situation, just extending it by a week. Mm -hmm. You know, my kids are pretty good at chores. They like to help out. Sometimes it's like pulling teeth. But one thing that I've found really helps is when I give them, can you guys just give me a half an hour to do this, this, and this, and then we're done. Yesterday, we're shoveling gravel. And Brendan says, how many more do we need to do, Dad? How many more wheelbarrows full? I said, I don't know. He says, well, can you just give me a number? He says, for some reason, it makes it easier that way. And I can remember feeling that way when I was a kid, too. So I think this is really difficult on the kids not knowing what the plan is. And it's crazy, Brett, uh, in our house and in, uh, we was talking with a neighbor across the lawn yesterday, you know, as you give your shouts, the kids come home and they know, they'll ask, they'll either say yesterday, two more weeks, hey, of this, mm-hmm. and I don't know where they learned it or how, you know, my kids are young, like grade five and three, but they know, or they walk in the door and say, hey, anything new today? Like they know to ask and that makes me so sad. And, and maybe that's on me for just you know, the conversations we've had in this house, but we've tried really hard to keep that separate and not talk to them about things until they, you know, it's a need to know versus a worried about what they might have to know. And it makes me so sad that this is the world they come home to now. Like any other rules today, mom? Can we still go on the trampoline? You're like, oh my gosh, yes. God, I don't know. Let me check the public health orders, but I'm pretty sure trampolines like, get out there. You know, like that's, ugh, it just makes me sad. So we'll have more on this in our next segment. And just got to quickly ask you about this, uh, Loren, because you shared a tweet with us uh, just a little bit, like half an hour ago about a, I don't know, shall we just call it a pee break? (laughs) Yeah. And the crazy thing about this. Okay. So this is a, a politician in Ottawa who has already been caught out for, and I'm trying to remember the exact incident, Greg, but Will Amos uh, last night put out a letter apologizing that while attending the House of Commons proceedings virtually in a non-public setting, he, quote, urinated without realizing I was on camera. I'm deeply embarrassed by my actions and the distress they may have caused anyone who witnessed them. So nothing was seen, right? He just went off camera and in the back, maybe there was some audio or people knew that what was going on. There wasn't any exposure. There's all sorts of Zoom meetings we know and video conferencing going on and people have been caught out. But I, this is the same politician, Greg, we realized afterwards that had been caught out before. And I didn't realize it until Jeff said it in his news. I'm like, oh, my word, this is the, the same MP guy. that was walking around naked and quote unquote didn't realize. Mm-hmm. I think this guy needs to check himself a little bit here. Either he's a little bit too freely free uh, willing <laughs> to, to do certain things. Willie's too when free willing. might be on. <laughs> yes. Put, put some piece of cardboard over your camera. Face. It's all you got to do, man. You can you can easily cover up that camera, put a post-it note over it, and then remove it when it's time for the awareness. meeting. Why is it anywhere near your bathroom? Why is your camera near a big... I don't know. Like, I Let me tell know. you what my camera's facing right now. The wall. Okay? Yeah. Worst case, you see me, but I can't do much with this wall behind me. I don't think. 
Tackling the Gary McNabb. Thank you very much for joining us today on 680 CJOB. I don't know if anyone thought we were going to get to the end of this week without some sort of change or extension to the public health orders. Yeah, while case counts are dropping, Brett, hospitalizations continue to put a tremendous strain on our healthcare system with more COVID ICU patients flown out of the province again yesterday. Eight more deaths were announced yesterday as well. And so Manitoba announced that it's extending the current restrictions until June 12th and remote learning to at least June 7th, Loren. Yeah, the at least I think is important there, Greg, because we know it's just it could be a moving target, right? And so the current restrictions, as they stood from a week ago, gatherings with anyone outside a household are not allowed at any public setting, park, golf course, hiking, what have you. But added to the restrictions are a couple of new lines like, quote, requirements for employers to allow their employees to work from home as much as possible and quote, increase requirements for malls to manage capacity and access to eliminate gatherings and ensure compliance with shopping. There were some questions, Brett, around that yesterday. People weren't really sure. Reporters asking, well, how's that going to be enforced? What's that about? Aren't most businesses basically sending people home? Or where do we have issues where people aren't being sent home? And so there was a lot of questions around that, but also should we have done more? And the Premier has repeatedly said Manitoba has some of the toughest rules in the country, but was asked again why non-essential retail is still open. You know, there's been some criticism of us for not bringing in uh, total close-down rules. Uh, someone said uh, two months ago, you know, look, we had four and a half weeks ago, I think we had 100 cases. We were under 100 most of the time for the first four months of the year. How do you imagine the public would have been affected by introducing public health rules when we had fewer than 100 cases that restricted all non-essential retail? Do you think we would have got buy-in from the public? So there's a factor to consider that the public health people have to consider here. Plus, what is the mental health impact of closing your small businesses all down and putting people out of work all over the province of Manitoba when you simply because there are a lot of cases in Quebec or in BC. These, these are not easy decisions to make. They're difficult decisions to make. And we are doing the absolute best we can with the facts we have. And uh, I think that Manitobans will abide by these health rules if they wish to see us get out of this mess. Most are. I hope all will. So, Brett, you had thought that was a pretty fair comment. We talked yesterday in our group chat just about the idea of what they could have done a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. But if they had, say, put in a stay-at-home order or a curfew going forward, there were people being like, might think that, well, it was too late because the numbers now are coming down, at least in the case count capacity, Brett. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I think they, if they were to do a stay-at-home order, they, it would have had to have come sooner because if they were to do it right now with June around the corner, I think people would lose their minds. But when he makes, makes that comment, uh, we've had listeners say as well, why, respond to the question, why didn't this get done sooner? Well, that's because every business industry group was saying, please don't shut us down. We, you know, case counts are low. Show us where this is happening. So, I, I guess the, the for me, the takeaway from that comment was he's right. It's got to be a difficult decision. And how do you how could they have justified it, you know, six weeks ago, Greg? Yeah, well, that's where the research comes in. That's where the contract tracing comes in. That's where the modeling comes in. And that's where the communications come in, in terms of I understand where we're at right now. But here's what we're seeing. Here's the trend. Here's what we're concerned about. Here's what we're looking to 
prevent. It might have been a difficult sell, but that's the job is is making the difficult sell sound palatable and making it sound worthwhile. And it's difficult. I understand that. And I even I, I empathize with so much of what the premier said in that clip. We, we failed to do so. And, you know, the province refused to release that modeling information that they had suggesting, yeah, we don't think we're going to get there. Now, it looks like uh, we are surpassing any modeling uh, information that might have been out there. And, that, and that's the sad part is uh, that is that we, we could see this coming. Mackling McGarry and McNabb. In our next segment, we're going to talk about my rage. <laughs> you know, the name of the band is Rage Against a Machine. Well, on Wednesday, I was raging against my duvet. And I know Google has solutions, so <sighs> I'm just getting so frustrated thinking about it. I'm going to explain. Brett's going to smash in our next segment. And then after Global News at 7 o'clock, Cam Poitras is going to join us, still waiting to find out what's going to happen in round two for the Winnipeg Jets. Is the extended break a good thing or a bad thing for our team? But in the meantime, fans at major sporting events has been a reality since the beginning of the Major League Baseball season in the United States. And as the Toronto Blue Jays continue to play their home games in Buffalo, New York... Get ready to see something you haven't witnessed since March of 2020. Fans in the stands at an NHL game in Canada. That's right, Brett. When the Winnipeg Jets defeated the Edmonton Oilers 4-2 in Edmonton March 11th, 2020, that was the last time Canadian hockey fans were in an NHL arena. Tomorrow night, that will change. As many as 2,500 people will be allowed into the Bell Centre in Montreal for Game 6 between the Canadiens and Toronto Maple Leafs. It was announced 10 days ago that Quebec was easing many of its restrictions it had in place to battle the third wave of COVID-19 in that province, including an overnight curfew, which ended this morning. This morning. Meanwhile, out west, the so-called greatest outdoor show on earth, Loren, is set to go ahead. Yeah, and I think there's some people that might read the headlines of either fans in the stands at the Habs game tomorrow or at a stampede and think, what? Too soon. Or like listener Tim texts, maybe he says, I think we might be jealous now over the other provinces because life is slowly moving back to normal. So yes, the Calgary Stampede moving towards a modified presentation in July. There are some changes to adapt to COVID-19 health measures. So there won't be the, for example, the, the really popular Chuck Wagon races. If you have ever been to Stampede, you know this is a huge event, Greg. And I know, Greg, you've been there. It takes over much of the city. There's usually a huge parade to kick things off. That part of the spectacle is very much in limbo at this moment. But how are Albertans feeling about this move? Well, here's Global News Calgary reporter Sarah Ofen. It's been a pretty dark 16 months here in Alberta. We saw those cases skyrocket just a couple of weeks ago with some of the highest rates in the continent. And we are still seeing some of the highest rates in, in uh, the country. Uh, our hospitalization rates, uh, I mean, things are still pretty bleak in Alberta hospitals. So I think it's sort of mixed emotions. You know, we're, we're, we're hearing a lot of people that are really excited to see a little bit of light at the end of the COVID tunnel. At the same time, there's a lot of people who are wondering whether there might be a little bit uh, too much giddy up in these plans and a lot of people feeling maybe a little bit uneasy, not quite ready to saddle up that horse just yet. 
I figured you'd like those last two comments from Sarah there, Loren, as they uh, bring the uh, cowboy analogies into it. And it's everything cowboy, whether you're a cowboy or not, you have no choice but to get cowboy boots and a cowboy hat when you move to Alberta. At least that was my experience. And uh, Calgary Stampede is one heck of a great party. Get this, the Stampede welcomes upwards of 150,000 people per day on its busiest days of the 10-day event and is said to have a $500 million impact on the economy. No wonder they want to get this started up and get things back towards normalcy. Major steps in that direction to the west of us and to the east of us. And Brett, here we are in the New York Times headlines as North America's COVID hotspot. And I... As you pointed out, Loren, with Tim's text, I think we're jealous uh, over the provinces, the other provinces. I think that's part of the problem with this is it was this was easier. It was easier to buy into the restrictions. It was easier to be okay with them when we were all in this, when everything was shut down. But as we see thousands of people in stands in the hockey games and we see, as you pointed out, we're going to have fans in the stands in Montreal uh, to know that we're sort of stuck in this as, and we continue to languish is making it a bit more difficult, I suspect. that's It's making it tough for me. So do we even need to ask, how does this make you feel? Fit to be tied, to use another cowboy expression or cowgirl <laughs> expression. I, I, I get it. I get why it's happening. I, I so It's interesting to me, like a couple of weeks ago, I have family out in Calgary and they we had a video chat with them and they jokingly said, are you coming? I thought it was a joke. Sorry. They said, are you going to come for stampede? And I was like, ha ha, like that's ever happening. Like hilarious. And then the headline goes up yesterday and I said, Oh, I knew that they were talking about this, but I just assumed it was more of that pie in the sky thing. And here they are. I, I, there's some trepidation, but it won't be the event that it wasn't past. I think in part because so many people also travel from outside in to the stampede, but Who's to say, I don't know about the crowd control, how they do it on the streets. It's very much a street party. So there's aspects of it that make me nervous to consider. Like at least fans in the stands of an event you can control with spacing. Whereas with something like this, I don't know if you can. But if that's where they are and their models are telling them they can give that a shot, then I I guess I say have at her. I'm, I'm both concerned and jealous. That's basically where I'm at. They're scaling back the midway mm-hmm. about 10, 15% to give a little bit of extra room on the stampede grounds. And uh, something I, I noted and found interesting was the fact that uh, the 300 or so people that they need to run the midway, 200 of them come from the United States. So they're going to be coming up two weeks early. That's the plan, self-isolating and quarantine before uh, getting going on setting up the midway. So there's lots of moving parts, lots of moving pieces to this. It'll be fascinating to see if they can pull this off, Brett. Let us know what you think. 204-780-6868. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb for today's $20 gift card for Santa Lucia pizza. We want you to tell us what have you been doing wrong your whole life until you Googled it? Or is there something that you wish was easier and probably is if you would just take the time to look it up? Have you ever been shocked at how easy something is once you actually got some pointers? 204-780-6868. And here's the inspiration for this. On Wednesday, I, I, got, I had to buy some new sheets, so I figured I'll just wash everything. I washed my duvet cover, which 
I don't do as often as I should because I hate, I despise putting it back. It is the worst thing <laughs> I have to do. And I know there are tricks. I, I put it on Twitter. I just raged out on Twitter and people were sharing all kinds of videos. There's a like this roll up trick that you can do. I've tried that. I've tried that and I failed at that too. I failed at the hack. I just suck at putting it together. Like I was on the floor crawling around inside this thing like I was playing in a fort. <laughs> I felt ridiculous. But I got it done and there it shall sit uh, for as long as possible. So what is your story? Let's go around the horn here. Cam Poitras is here. Jeff Forte, Jeff Braun. Cam, let's start with you, sir. Well, with, in the in the duvet cover issues, I've just left it w- a wild in there, and I'll just have like one half just like a sheet, and the other half like a blanket. So I I, I know where you're coming from, Brett, because um, I've given I've given up on it too. Uh, but it's dual zone climate control, Cam. <laughs> yes, ex- ex- <laughs> exactly. You're too hot. Move to that side. Um, but like, oh my, me and my mom are exactly the same with this. We were just recently the stairs d- to the downstairs were too tough to get we couldn't get a box spring down they were, they were too tight so you know you talk about having to google something what about people that google something get halfway through a video and go I, I got it i got it i can figure the rest of this out and so the two of us have to re-watch this video three times because we're both exactly the same and we have to watch the video okay so uh okay what do we have to do now and so eventually we did get it down into the basement but we had to re-watch the video three times because we both were like okay i understand what it's going i'm not gonna watch the rest of this video and uh <laughs> Yeah, well, then we had to rewatch it because we didn't know what we were doing. So me and my mother both issues with any sort of authority and anyone telling us what to do. <laughs> right, Digital or otherwise. <laughs> exactly. Mr. Braun. I'm forever Googling uh, how to do things on my on my phone, how the phone works. And I remember <laughs> I, I, w- I used a flip phone until 2013. I was a latecomer to the smartphone game, and I went to buy my iPhone at the MTS or whatever, and the guy prepped it for me, and then he hands it to me, and he gives me the box, and the box just had earbuds and the charging cord in it. And I just said, I said, well, where's the instruction manual, man? And he laughed at me, and he laughed, and he laughed, and he said, oh, you'll figure it out. And I walked out of there so upset because they didn't come with a book telling me how to work it. And it just <laughs> it took me forever to figure it out. And I was texting friends that had uh, iPhones. like, oh, how do you do this? How do you do this? And they just stopped answering me. They're just like, Google it. Google it. <laughs> so to this day, I still don't understand. I guess they probably, you know, they save four cents per phone by not having to print out an instruction manual. But come on. These things are complicated. We need instructions. Yeah, that's you know that's funny. I I don't know if my phone came with instructions, uh, but that's probably because I wouldn't have read them anyway. I I vowed when I got my new television, and I declared it on this air that I would read the instructions for my TV, but I never did. Bob. Why waste your time? Because uh, you know, I don't know what I don't know what hidden treasures lie Just within. Leave it, right? Just leave it. Just let it, let it go. Forte. Oh, for me, it's the Tupperware when you have like some kind of tomato sauce or marinara sauce, and it gets cooked in there, and it's just red. And how do you get that red out? You know, I saw this one trick, which doesn't really work, but you take a paper towel, you rip it in half, you put that into the Tupperware, you put a little bit of uh, dish soap in there, a little bit of water, you close the lid and just shake it up. Surprisingly, it does work fairly well, but still, it's still red, and I still. I'm looking for a way how to get that stain out of there. That's a good one. Yeah, if you put pasta in Tupperware, that's almost a guaranteed stain. So, huh, okay. Yeah. But that little trick, it did it did work a little bit, but doesn't get it all out. Of course, it's going to be like that forever. Loren McNabb? You need, like, some Norwex powder. 
I'm like now that person that it, you know you you know you have like a relative that has a cure for everything. What's that? Sh- the movie with the big Wind- fat Greek wedding Windex, and they spray yeah. Vit Windex. Windex. <laughs> well, Norwex powder now. Anything's anything's get out the Norwex powder. I'll just send you ex. Loren, there might be something to Windex, that. Norwex. Listen, for me, what drives me nuts is that I'm kind of like Cam, where I will only watch something halfway through, and then I for sure think I've got it. And so one of the worst mistakes I ever made. Of course, in this pandemic, you get bored. You can't shop like normal. At least at the beginning, lots of non-essential things, right, were closed, and so the hair was getting dry. You haven't gone to the hairdresser in several months, and so I googled like a moisturizing home remedy for the hair. But did not read the instructions or follow the video all the way through. The mixture was bananas and honey, to which I put together on my hair dry. And then it just <laughs> turned into like a dessert on the top of my head. <laughs> and I was like, I can't get this out. And then I, I go back to the video and it's like, wet the hair first. It was like step two. Step two. <laughs> I mean, step one, mash bananas and honey together. Got it. I'm not gonna go to step two that says wet the hair. Again. <laughs> First, so it took forever to get out. I don't even want to know. Waiting for my husband to say like, "What's clogged in the shower?" I don't know. I don't know why there'd be a banana in the shower. That's <laughs> anyway. I never get past step two, and that's my mistake. Mackling. Put key in ignition. Turn key. I got it. <laughs> I this. got it. That's the, I got it. I got the rest of it. I'm curious as to how many fix-it people are are seeing their calls for service go down because of Google and YouTube. Uh, because I had a dishwasher that I was so frustrated with. It's fairly new. It's only about three years old. Was not washing the dishes properly at all. I was about to call the repair guy, and I thought, I'm going to Google it. And you know what? The detailed instructions on how to clean the dishwasher and parts that I didn't know even existed inside the dishwasher, like this filter that gets clogged up in the bottom that gets quite disgusting, actually. Yeah, clean that up. Poked a few seeds out of the spinner arms. They get caught in uh, the jet spray where the water comes out. Tickety-boo. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Text message at 204-780-6868. What have you done wrong your whole life until you Googled it? This listener says, parallel parking. (laughs) Trying to teach my kids to do this was a disaster because I'd been doing it more or less instinctively after 30 years plus of driving, so it was all muscle memory for me. But you can't easily teach muscle memory to someone else. And then... I Googled it, found a couple of good videos with some easy-to-remember tips, and driving practice got happy again. That's a good one. Parallel parking, that's one of those things where if you don't do it often, it's like uh, it's like lo- losing a language skill, Loren. I, I took French immersion my whole life in school, and uh, and I can't I can't have a conversation in French because I uh, lost it. C'est dommage, Brett. Oh, look um, at that. I think the thing about parallel parking is you're right. You get nervous. It's like you start to sweat if you're in there and you're giving the old like, go around, go yeah. around. I'm trying to nail this parking. But I love parallel parking. It's like a challenge to me. Like I look at a spot and I think I can do that. And then I will work really hard to do it. My dad pulled out bales on the farm and set them up like his cars. And we just practiced with the bales parallel parking for a couple 
days ahead of my driver's test. I still failed the driver's test, but I nailed the parallel park. Oh, well, good. <laughs> I can't drive anywhere, but boy, can I park the heck out you, of that You car. want me to park? Do you have a license? No, but check out this parking. This parking is going to be primo. What about the uh, what, what about when you encounter the parking on the one-way street downtown and you've got to do it on the other the side of the road? On, no, not the angle, but when you're when you have to parallel park on the driver's oh, side yes. versus on your passenger side that that's a complete game changer isn't it i yeah. I, I i'm terrible at it either way <laughs> parallel parking to me is a nightmare so 204-780-6868 the things that google has helped you with after you you've been doing it wrong your whole life in the meantime we are still waiting to hear who the jets will face in the second round and when yeah the jets will play the winner of the leafs hab series it was looking as though uh, the Leafs were going to come back last night and maybe claim the series. Uh, Montreal went ahead 3-0 last night. Toronto tied it. And then early in the overtime, the Leafs win the game. Game six between the Leafs and Habs goes tomorrow night with the Leafs leading that series 3-2, meaning at the earliest, the Jets won't hit the ice until next week. Cameron Poitras is the host of Jets at Noon. And Cam, I know you're a big curling guy. I'm a big mm-hmm. curling guy. love the, the sport. And I've always been of the philosophy you know, when you get that buy into that championship game or that championship round and, and your routine gets thrown off, how helpful is that? You're used to playing two, sometimes three games a day, and then they throw you into the championship on Sunday and give you an, a, an entire day off. The Jets are looking at at least a week off, and athletes are creatures of habit and routine. How is this going to throw things off? They've been playing every other day since January. Uh, I don't think much at all, actually. I, I think they, like, them getting back on the ice yesterday was, uh, you know, that everyone was saying it was so nice to have those those two days off, of course, the game going into Tuesday morning on, on Monday, the triple overtime game, and then not even getting on the ice on Wednesday, and they said the team was basically shot for Wednesday. And if they had to play tomorrow, like, if, if the Leafs would have won, it would potentially the game would have went tomorrow in game one. I, I think the Jets were still looking to grab some more time and some more practice and, and stuff like that. You have guys like Nick Ehlers. You have a lot of guys in the lineup that are still the banged up and, and, and looking to get that extra time. So do they want to get back out there? You know, probably. And, and I found one stat. Like this, It was tough to find any sort of like real concrete stats to say that, you know, rust versus rest. Um, uh, and, and last year it, it was the bubble play and uh, teams that had two or more days off then their then their opponent actually went f- five and one um, in in those series. So oh. just like a, a a small little you know, but anecdotally, I, I I don't think it really has any effect. You know, just over my hockey experience over how many years or so. I like the one stat you found. I think we should just yeah. take that and go with it because it <laughs> yeah. works in, works in our favorite camp. <laughs> That's the but best we- way to, to do any sort of scientific <laughs> research is just find the information that you like and just stick yeah. with it. That's how well, I check I think- my. That's how what I do when it's uh, when I'm checking various forecasts for golf. <laughs> no, I, I like that forecast. Oh, that's a good one. The problem is there's too much of that going on right now. People keep looking for the data that matches their opinion. As I don't think to... that's ever changed. I think people but, have always been like that. But here we are. We're talking about rest versus rust. And I, one of the things I did think about was not just the players, but the fans and the momentum that you have from the fans. And when the gap goes on long enough, you sort of slide off that, that feeling. And so how to get to ride that wave back in. And they talk a lot about Paul Maurice and just the words he uses, Cam, and how he's motivated this team. Who's going to be the big motivator, you think, not just for their play, but for the words 
words they use when they hit the ice again next week? I think it's going to be the leadership group. It's going to be the the, the Blake Wheeler, the the Mark Scheifele, the, the 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 Josh Morrissey's out there. They're going to get this team right. Paul Maurice. I mean, he he. You know, you, you hear about his little speeches and stuff like that. We've heard more about that this year than I think we have in any of the other previous year. But I, I think this team's headspace is right. I think that they're going to use these these extra days to to get back into that routine, keep skating, get going. I, I don't think they're going to skip a beat when when the next series starts, whether it's going to be Montreal uh, or Toronto. We should know a little bit more, of course, as, as, as the days go on. But I think at the latest, the series could start on Wednesday, which I think might be a little too long, in my opinion. I think... I, I don't think it matters who the Jets end up playing, but if it would wrap up on Saturday in a Monday game, I think that that would that would be really great. But um, it's it's going to be it's going to be the guys that drove this team and, and got them to where they were in that in that last series, the guys who got them playing right, the leadership group and the head coach. Yeah, rest versus rust. I mean, yeah. uh, it even happens to us, right? You take one week off, yeah. you come back to work, you can't remember your passwords, or you're just your whole routine <laughs> is thrown off. It takes almost a day, two days to get yeah. kind of back in the swing of it. But that's because we we're just resting the whole time these guys are at least practicing right so yeah. there's that uh, to help them out but in terms of the Leafs or the Habs cam who would you prefer to see the Jets take on as in who would they be better off playing I don't know you know just like it, uh, it, it doesn't really matter and I guess if I had to pick a team maybe Montreal I, I would like to see them kind of kind of come out of this um, I think just because they they're having a lot of struggles offensively and I, and I think the Jets just have a big edge on there and if they play the same way they were playing defensively against the Oilers I I, I, I think that the Habs will have a real difficult time beating Connor Hellebuck and and, and the Jets uh, in in sort of this defensive structure that they've that they've embraced so I if I had to pick Montreal but at the end of the day it doesn't matter you still got to go out there you still got to play you got to play the right way anyways to win playoff games so doesn't really matter, but if I had to pick Montreal. Cam Poitras, host of Jets at Noon. Thank you very much, sir. No problem. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, what have you done wrong your whole life until you Googled it? 204-780-6868, gift card up for grabs for Santa Lucia Pizza. Greg Mackling, we're getting lots and lots of stuff. Is there anything in particular jumping out at you, sir? Oh, the fitted sheet. Mm. Our good friend Mike talking about trying to fold the king-size fitted sheet and looking at the tutorials online. Attempt one was terrible. Attempt two was worse. And I think as for most of us... The sheet just ended up in the in the linen closet in a ball because I think that's the default setting when it comes to fitted sheets. My my stepmom taught me how to fold a fitted sheet when I was about 12, 13 years old. I, I did my best to replicate that over the years. Mm, it didn't really stick. It's a tough task. And it's also like the debate over which way to fold a towel. Do you go in half and half and half again? Or do you go in half and half and then fold it in thirds? Or do you do the roll? I can't believe this is such a huge debate. <laughs> I see it on social, on the social uh, networks all the time, social yeah. media. And I don't know which way you do it in my house, but uh, or in your house rather. But in my house, there's, there's a real divide on this. That's what I, I was going to say. Way. I. I open Jackie up the linen closet. Yes, half the things are rolled, half are folded. I take all the rolled ones out, fold them. <laughs> Next laundry round, he takes all the folded ones out, rolls them back. It just ends up being a mess. At the end of the day, who cares? And the question on the sheet, like I, I have all these extra <laughs> sheets. Why do you do we have 
a closet full of them. Like, are we just washing them and putting the same sheet back on the bed? Like, I have extras, but it just seems like a waste of time and a you waste don't have of a space. No. I mean, I have, I could create one. Like, I have in the closet a new set of sheets. I could throw one right away, but I'm not washing the sheets and jumping back into the bed right away while I, like, it's not like there's an emergency <laughs> to which. I need to get into that bed immediately while the sheets are being washed. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do what for 90 you... minutes? This bed's not made. Oh my gosh. Well, Better get out well, the next set of sheets. The, what if you do if the if the comforter doesn't dry or the sheets don't dry and then you're ready for bed and and then the sheets are still damp? Oh. You got to have backup. You just had pull out an old blanket. Listen, when we have the stalemate <laughs> over the duvet, when yeah. we're both like looking at each other, like I'm not putting that duvet cover on. <laughs> I just crawl into bed with a blanket and wait to hear the. <sighs> so I just, I guess I'm putting the duvet cover on. <laughs> we start this hour with the family of a young mom who had COVID-19 and died after a failed attempt to airlift her out of province is speaking out. Yeah, the family sharing more about 31-year-old Crystal Musso and the many lingering questions that they have. And so last night, Crystal's sister, Christy, spoke with our Brittany Greenslade, who joins us now. Good morning, Brittany. Of course, it's such an important story, and you spoke to Crystal Musso's sister last night. What did you learn about her sister? What did she have to say about the young woman? Yeah, well, we did learn a little bit more. We know, you know, Crystal was 31 years old. She was a mom of two girls who are, you know, young, young teens, uh, about 12 and 13 years old. Her sister says, you know, like so many people, she just loved to be around family. They had a really big family, a big extended family in Evan Slow. She was always happy. She always had a joke to tell somebody. It was just so full of joy, really got along with everyone. Uh, her sister shared some photos with me and said, you know, she loved taking selfies and sharing those with her family and friends. And uh, uh, Christy had uh, has seven kids. And she says, you know, on top of Crystal's two children, she often, you know, babysat for her sister as well. And, you know, family was just paramount and so important to her. One of the questions is how did Crystal get COVID? Do we know the answer to that, Brittany? No. No, her family doesn't know. They're not sure where she caught it. They're not even sure how long she had it for. Um, You know, this goes back to almost a week and a half ago when she was on the phone with her sister, and it just happened really quickly, and she she wasn't feeling well. She just, all of a sudden, one day she was sick, and then on the day that she couldn't, like, breathe and she was sore, I phoned Ammons for her. And that was on a Sunday, on May 16th. <coughs> and she went to the hospital in St. Charles. The ambulance took her and then they gave her like oxygen and stuff. And then she told me like a few hours later, she was tested positive for COVID. And then she said that they were taking her to Brandon because she needed more help like to, with her breathing. So that was May 16th. Crystal hadn't even had an opportunity to get tested for COVID because her symptoms came on so quickly. And it progressed very quickly. Uh, you know, on May 23rd, her family got a call saying that her sister was going to be moved to Ottawa. Um, Christy says they weren't given an option. The staff just called and said they needed to move her because she needed more care. Uh, the morning of the 24th, they were told that she couldn't be moved because her sister had, had flatlined more than once. 
Um, and at that point, the doctors had told them that she was fighting for her life. And within just a few hours, Crystal had passed away. And the family's just now left with so many questions and wondering what would have happened. Crystal was stable. And if she wasn't moved or attempted to be transferred to Ottawa, she might have been still here. She would have still had a fighting chance. So, Brittany, that's the question they have. Of course, there's also the possibility that if she wasn't moved, that the same outcome might have happened. And so I guess one of the things is the family won't maybe ever know what could have, would have, should have been. Exactly. And they they just really want some answers. And, uh, you know, for, for them, knowing that so many patients are being moved out of province, they want that to be a conversation that happens with families as well, because they say they weren't given an option. Global's Brittany Greenslade joining us live on 680 CJOB. Brittany, thank you very much for this. Thank you. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. That is the sound of hundreds of motorcycles rolling out of Polo Park in May of 2018 for the Manitoba Motorcycle Ride for Dad, which would have been this weekend in the before times. But this year, they will once again continue, Greg, with the Ride Alone Together format. Oh, that is such a sweet, sweet sound. It's such an incredible visual as well to see all those people gathered together for a collective cause, an incredible cause, one that uh, has obviously its visibility has been elevated because of this event. It's an event to fight prostate cancer in Manitoba. And get this, Loren, it has raised $2.65 million over the past 12 years. Fantastic total. And Ed Johnner is one of the founding members behind the drive, behind the ride for dad, also a prostate cancer survivor. And Ed joins us now. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, guys. Well, thanks so much for taking the time and always sharing your journey with us, both uh, on the bike and in your and your journey in life. And as a cancer survivor, keyword being survivor there, Ed, I think it's important to share your experience and, and how you discovered that you had cancer and then the journey that followed. Could you tell, take us back a bit, please? Yeah, back in 2007, uh, after a routine physical um, at my doctor, uh, he notified me that my PSA level had uh, increased significantly over my last test and uh, sent me for uh, a biopsy, um, and the biopsy proved positive. Uh, I never had any symptoms of the disease whatsoever, uh, so it was caught early. Um, also, as a result of that biopsy, it was also discovered I had kidney cancer. But uh, again, uh, both were, were discovered early, both with no symptoms, uh, which just emphasizes that that importance of seeing your doctor on a regular basis. But both were treated early, and uh, I'm happy to say uh, I'm cancer-free. Yeah, we're happy to know it too, Ed. And we're going on 12 years. It's hard to believe that we've been discussing this and been talking about this event since its inception uh, it's really turned into one of the hallmarks of summer and one of the demarcation points is the start of, of summer. What's it like to lead the charge on this event and see all those bikes out in the parking lot and pour out onto Portage Avenue eventually? Well, I, I know for myself and, and a lot of guys on the executive, it's a very emotional day. Uh, um, I can feel my voice cracking now. 
I, uh, it's uh, every, every year uh, it brings tear to, tears to my eyes uh, going down Portage Avenue, uh, feeling the support and, and the love of all the people lined up along the street and, and those participating in the ride. And, and I mean, there's, there's, it, it affects everybody. I mean, 11 men, uh, 11 Canadian men will die today of prostate cancer. Um, it affects everybody, uh, you know, obviously, you know, husbands, wives, uh, mothers, fathers, it, it uh, children, it, it just doesn't, uh, it doesn't stop. And, and, uh, but it is a very emotional day. There's, there's nothing like it when those bikes fire up and we roll down Portage Avenue. It's an incredible day. Yeah, we love uh, going to this event. It's just, it's easily probably the coolest thing I, I see and hear and feel. All, like when all those bikes go f- fire up, it's just thunderous. It rumbles through your whole body and soul. So, but this is the second year now where you've had to kibosh the traditional event and move forward with the ride alone together format. So, how does that format work? Yeah, what we're doing uh, as of May the 1st and uh, going on until um, October the 2nd, riders are encouraged to either ride alone or ride alone uh, or ride together in a small group. Uh, get out and see uh, Manitoba landmarks, you know, whether it's the Viking up in Gimli, uh, uh, the turtle out in Boisevane, uh anywhere. Uh, get out there, take your picture with uh, the landmark. And send it in to us, uh, you know, to our uh, social media page on Facebook, Ride for Dad uh, MB. Uh, get those pictures in. And for each picture with a landmark, you get a point. Uh, now, that goes into uh, a draw. And uh, on October the 2nd, we'll be drawing for a backyard, basically a backyard patio kit. Uh, a couple of custom-made Adirondack, Adirondack chairs. A cooler, um, a custom-made fire pit. Um, so it's uh, you know it, it's we're, we're adapting. We're we're trying to to live in in uh, in these COVID times. Also, I might add, if you go to uh, a motorcycle ride for dad gold sponsor, and they're listed on our website at rideforDad.ca/slash/Manitoba. Uh, if you get your picture taken at any of those gold sponsors, you triple your chances to win. You get three points for those photos. Oh, that's awesome to hear it, Ed. And I'm reading now that last year's event that was something similar raised over $160,000 for prostate cancer research. And so the work continues to raise these such important funds. I, when I hear you talk about the the ride and what it means to you, you know, I think a few years ago, I was under the assumption that motorcycle riders, it was kind of like a solitary thing. You know, you're, you're only on, you're on the bike alone, but it really has that team feel to it. Not just the event, but people who are passionate about riding like to do it together often. Yeah, it's, it's empowering. It's, I mean, I know for everybody, uh, you know, all, all the supporters, Everybody misses the parade. It's such a, it's the highlight of the day, uh, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, we're all missing it, but, but hopefully next year we can, we can get back to it. And, uh, you know, obviously prostate cancer doesn't take a rest. So, uh, you know, the $160,000 is as great as it was, um, you know, is about half of what we normally raise when we have the parade. So it's, uh, 
you know, we're, we're struggling as well, as much as everybody is. And I, and I know times are tough, but, uh, you know, as I say, prostate cancer doesn't, uh, doesn't take a break. Ed, we have at least one text message here from someone who just uh, got goosebumps listening to the roar of the motorcycles from uh, the before time. So uh, I know that we've captured some imaginations this morning. How can people get involved, step up and uh, donate some uh, money, cash money to this? Yeah, register. uh, You can register online, www.rideforDad.ca slash Manitoba. Um, register online or pledge a rider. If you don't ride and want to show your support, pledge a rider. Um, you know, for instance, I'm registered already if you wanted to pledge me. Um, but you can also register. I had to get that plug in there. Um, but you can, you can also register as a Ride for Dad champion. And there's no cost to do this. Uh, there's no registration fee, but it does in, allow you to collect pledges online. Um, you know, if there's somebody, a, a loved one out there that you want to, you know, to show your support for, um, you can register and, and collect pr- uh, pledges much the same or exactly the same as, as a rider would. So there's that option available out there as well. Ed Johnner is a founding member of the Ride for Dad, the Manitoba Motorcycle Ride for Dad, and is a prostate cancer survivor. Ed, thank you very much for joining us this morning. We appreciate this very much. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. should also mention that uh, playnow.com is the uh, primary sponsor for this event, and... I am the CJOB ambassador for this event. I forgot to mention that, and I'm proud to to hold that title. I, I have had issues with my prostate in the past, uh, not cancer, but still I had some issues with it. So this is important to me, and uh, we are very thankful for the time that Ed gave us this morning. And I can't wait until we can get back to seeing this event in its full glory. But in the meantime, until October 2nd, of course, you can ride alone together. Greg Mackling. You've got something for us as well, I understand. Well, I just wanted to acknowledge your role as ambassador, Brett. It's been my absolute honor and pleasure uh, to take those Saturday mornings over the years and meet up with you uh, when this event was a live event. And uh, I know, you know, collectively, we've had some extraordinary experiences meeting uh, many of our listeners out at the event before it gets going and some of the incredible people, uh, our colleagues and competition in, in the media. And I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for stepping up to be this ambassador on behalf of all of us at 680 CJOB. Always proud of you, even prouder of you uh, in this role, Brett. And I will endeavor to post some pictures and video over the weekend. To, uh, Do you get a sash? Like an ambassador sash? Can I make you one? <laughs> I'm being sash. serious. I feel like it's an important topic. You're playing Is an important role. I'd sa- this is Sash. He's an ambassador. He's speaking out about prostate issues. And he we could I feel like I could make you a solid Sash. I okay. I, and by me making it, I mean like glitter. I'll hire someone to sew it and put it together. But I will pay for it. How's that sound? I would love one. I would love one. Thank you, Loretta. Seriously, kudos. I think Greg nailed it. It's an important thing to do and it's important to keep yep. talking. Even if we can't be together, we can we can do things a different way. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we can't cheer for the Jets 
in person, but you can call us and do so. So proud of all you guys. Go Jets, go. Continue to prove all those naysayers wrong. Just maybe fans will be able to be present in the arena to help you guys along soon. Get vaccinated, people. Go Jets, go. Woo! Let's go Jets! Go Jets, go! Let's put a hurt on these leads! We're done! Let's go Jets! Woo! The battle of Edmonton is over. I expect that the battle of Toronto is about to begin. Upon this battle depends the survival of Winnipeg civilization. Upon it depends our own. Okay, I don't know what that all of that last one was, but this, the start of it, the battle for Edmonton is over. The battle for Toronto is about to begin. That's a definite <laughs> Lord of the Rings thing where Gandalf <laughs> says the battle for Helm's Deep is over. The battle for Middle Earth is about to begin. So I salute that fan. <laughs> you said that Winston last Churchill. night. Oh, I didn't know. I got that because it's coming to my voicemails and I get that just before bed last night. And I think, oh, boy, what is happening in this? And I send it to you and you right away got it. So, I mean, obviously other people will, too. But I like it. I like the effort that was put in there, Brett. Um, maybe it was Churchill, Greg. I don't. I would, play oh, it, can we play it again? You know better than I would, but that, that just, it was reminiscent. It was very Winston Churchill-esque to me. In the delivery? Hang on a second. Let's see if this Edmonton is over. I expect that the Battle of Toronto is about to begin. It's the second part. Upon this battle depends the survival of Winnipeg civilization. Upon it depends our own. I don't know if you know if that's being citing something other than Lord of the Rings, 204-780-6868. And you can call the Jets cheer line, 204-780-6800. That's 780-6800. And we will cobble together your voicemails. Always be cobbling. I think it is Churchill. Is it? I just Googled the, all the phrases used. We'll have to get back to this. Sorry, because this might take too long. I'll have to listen <laughs> to the speech. I'll get back to you. But it's either the fake Lord of the Rings or a very real speech by Winston Churchill. It's kind of important, oh, it, I think, that we get this right. It might be important. Um, <laughs> Curtis texted in. He wanted to know if he could leave any um, Habs cheering on the Jets cheer line. The answer is no, Curtis. <laughs> Capital N. Capital O, three exclamation marks. No. But you know what? I think I might actually cheer for the Habs in this series because if they advance, that means the Jets will get to play in front of fans, will they not? In, in Montreal? Yeah. Yeah, in, in, a, in an away game, Greg, right? Because tomorrow the Habs are having 2,500 fans in the stands for their mm-hmm. game against the Leafs. And so in theory, I would think, if that goes well and the Jets end up playing the Habs, then at least on the road, they'd have fans in the stands. That'd be hard. for I think that might be hard for me to watch because the, I, the fans in the stands, like the Islanders game the other night against Pittsburgh, that's a game changer, the way they can get the crowd going. And we so, want Boston. Yes, I don't want we that. We want Boston. I do not want fans in the stands for, unless it's our fans in the stands, Brett. Well, I, I guess the way I was thinking is it doesn't even if it wouldn't be our fans cheering them on, you I, you would have to imagine that it would give the players an extra boost, right? Just playing in front of people, period, as opposed to just a, a beer can, which is what we're going to talk about at 935. What's the deal there? Come on. Not- Seltzy is inspiring. <laughs> He's inspiring all sorts of social media 
conversation, sitting waving his white towel in that same seat for 19 and a half hours or however long that game was the other night. Respect, given where respect is due. I uh, can't wait to have this conversation with one of the only non-media people in the building for the last two home Jets games. And How's I mean, that chat go? Hey, do you want to put on a can suit and dance around the stands? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Mackling McGarry and McNabb, we should just circle back for one second on the, the, the Jets cheer line because we had a call that one of the voicemails went like this. The Battle of Edmonton is over. I expect that the Battle of Toronto is about to begin. Now, I cited Lord of the Rings Return of the King, which technically isn't wrong, because that is a line in the movie, but I now suspect that line in the movie and book was inspired by Winston Churchill, Lorraine, because we had about five, six people, bang, 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 bang. That's from a very famous speech. (laughs) Yes, and I said we have to clear that up, no offense to the Lord of the Rings, but... If we're going to say it was a quote from anybody, it should be from the man himself, Winston Churchill. Greg, you said it sounded Churchill, it, Churchill-esque. And then I Googled all these keywords and I was like, oh boy, yep, that's the Battle of Britain speech. That's uh, something. I feel like I should have known that. So kudos <laughs> to you for at least catching on to that. And of course, to our listeners, many of whom were, hey, uh, yeah, guys, Lord of the Rings, I think, is second in the quote line there. So there you go. But I really like Lord of the Rings, so. Yeah, it still doesn't make you wrong, Brett. <laughs> anyway, thanks for pointing that out. We, we always like the participation. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. The $20 gift card for San Lucia Pizza. Today we asked the question, what is something that you have done wrong your whole life? until you Googled it. And this was inspired by the fact that I was raging out, just Brett full smash in my apartment on Wednesday as I was trying to put my duvet cover back on. I just despise doing that. And I know there are tricks and I, you can roll it out or something. I've tried yeah, it. No, I, I, it doesn't work. I've tried it. I just, I can't do it. I'm not good no. at that. So I just, I, I said, I'm just going to lay this thing out and I'm going to crawl into it and <laughs> I'm going to defeat this thing come I hell or high video. water. And uh, I, I actually got it done faster, much quicker than the last time, but I still hate it. It's a stupid chore and I really should just burn it. I said, I, I'm going to put it on the end. Like if I have to do this again, uh, I'm going to put it on the end of a javelin. I'm going to set it on fire and I'm going to throw it off of my balcony. And I've already had requests to live tweet that. So uh, that's something I would like to do. Of course, I'm not going to actually do it. But anyway, so uh, Loren, you uh, now I think we uh, looked at this text earlier. But for those who missed it two hours ago, uh, Mike's text was it made us all laugh. Well, we were talking about you went from the duvet to the fitted sheet. So, and then what you do when you the laundry's done? So, Mike texted to say, not so long ago, I had an occasion to try and fold a fitted king size bed sheet. First try failed to produce a decent result. Second try also came up short. Asked YouTube for a video. I tried to follow the instructions, and it still looked like a balled up mess. So I just returned the sheets to the closet, safe in the knowledge that I was not alone in the universe of having failed a sheet folding. My results really were the sheets, says Mike. (laughs) You know I like a good play on words, Mike. Well done. Uh, Mike, thank you for that. Mike always sends us great stuff. But so does Liz, and we're going with Liz today. Greg, what did Liz have to say? Well, we were discussing the whole uh, concept of rust versus rest with the Winnipeg Jets. 
So Liz was getting the rust off literally. I was using an SOS pad and all kinds of cleaning products to get the rust off a hatchet and an axe that was left out and was scrubbing to the bone and Googled how to get it off. I discovered all I had to do was put a container of vinegar. Well, put the axe in a container of vinegar, let it soak, and it came right off. So this Lizzie Borden has a clean axe. Liz, thank you for that. A great laugh was had by all of us. And you get a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia pizza. Kling McGarry and McNabb, we've been talking this morning about fans in the stands, events returning to normal, Calgary looking for a modified version of the Stampede. Tomorrow, 2,500 Habs fans will be in the stands watching the Montreal Canadiens-Toronto Maple Leafs game. Yeah, and that had us talking this morning. Now, you know, how do you feel about that? Are you a bit jealous? Do you wish that was you? Does it make you a bit nervous? When will we get there? What's the target date for Manitoba as we work through some of these dark times? Where's the light at the end of the tunnel? And so sports has been providing us with a lot of that light, Brett. Maybe we won't be seeing fans in the stands anytime soon in Winnipeg, but there are a few people who have been given the permission to cheer on the Jets from inside Bell MTS Place. One, of course, is a true treasure to this province, Dancing Gabe. Another is the mascot, Mickey the Moose. And the third, Greg, let's add to this list, a dancing can. You guys don't realize how prophetic I am sometimes with my I am can (laughs) typo error (laughs) on the old text machine. I am not can, but our next guest is the dancing can of cherry alcohol, which made an appearance in games three and four against the Oilers earlier this week. The can goes by the name Seltzy under that suit, Ryan Giesbrick, and he joins us now. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning. How are you? Well, pretty darn good. You're the most famous person in Winnipeg that nobody's met before. So welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. So what's your, what is your day job before we find out how you landed this coveted gig? Because I think if there were open <laughs> applications involved here, you might have had 10,000 or more people saying, hey, but, oh, I can wear that. Yeah, he's quite the hit. I'm actually a general manager in the fitness industry on this um, as my main opportunity. And then I've been working with True North for the, the past 14 years. I'm more of the game day production and promotional during the game itself. So how did this come about? Um, I had the true honor and privilege just from True North. The, the opportunity came up from Bud Light Celsi, and at first I got the request and was a little bit hesitant. I knew it would be fun jumping in the costume and being able to try to represent the, the fans everywhere right across Winnipeg, but I had no idea that it was going to blow up to you know where it is today and go this huge for sure in Winnipeg. <laughs> well, I, I think that's because, Ryan, when you're watching the game, you're like, okay, yeah, I know there's Dancing Gabe and there's Moose, and then you're like, is that a... Is there a can dancing in the stands right now? What is that that I'm seeing? And I I'm, was wondering if this was, you know, a year and a half ago when the before times, as we like to joke, jokingly call it, Ryan, would you have jumped on the opportunity as quickly, given that you could also just be a regular fans on the stands back then? But now you're one of just a handful of people. Did that make the decision easier because it's a better way to watch the game? 
Uh, it was definitely an opportunity to be able to go take part in, you know, a playoff game in the times that we're in. But uh, without a doubt, it was definitely going to do it on behalf of all the fans out there. And I've helped out the mascots and the kids in different game day elements for the past 14 years. So I haven't really been a fan in the stands myself, just one of the guys behind the scenes to make it all happen. But to be able to bring that Bud Light Celtic costume to life and just see the energy in Winnipeg and just how much it meant to everybody, it was truly an amazing opportunity to be a part of. So Ryan, would you have been in the building regardless, just in a different capacity? Yes, more than likely would have been helping out with the mascots and all the things that we do during the game with the promotional elements. So um, with the kids that skate the team on the ice and the mascots and all the different giveaways we give out, I would be helping out in a normal playoff format. But this year's a little bit different, and I'm in the can this year for sure. (laughs) Is it hard to move around in that thing? It is a little bit tricky, you know, the sitting at the bottom of a beer can is an interesting concept and what would appear me just kind of chilling in my seat is actually me pretty much curled up at the edge of it ready to celebrate the next goal celebration when the Jets scored and thankfully they were able to bring that to light in the second game and even in the first game there and, you know, have a lot of goals to celebrate too. So it's hard to see, definitely a little bit tricky to sit in, but Without doubt, the energy from the fans and the comments coming through are truly what motivated me to keep going and and you know, tough it out till the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> so, what if what did you hear from? Like, first of all, just with your friends and your your inner circle and all the rest, did you disclose to them this is, this is happening, or did you wait till afterwards to see how it would all go? I'm just curious what the reaction was, just first among friends and family. Yeah, I had some close friends and family and the people that knew me. Some of them knew that I was in the canon. It was a huge hit. And I think just to see how the fans all came together and, and the amount of the comments coming through and support and just seeing everything kind of unfold and how it did was incredible to see. So the energy was unreal. And, you know, like I mentioned, I didn't expect it to go this huge, but it's been an absolute pleasure and delight for the city for sure. Well, normally if you say you've been in the can for six hours, you might want to go see a doctor about that. But you really toughed it out, in particular in that triple overtime uh, game on on Sunday, no, Monday into Tuesday. And, of course, Sunday night, the Nikolai Ehlers overtime winning goal. Were you, like, did you pick that spot? And were you right there for both of those historic goals? Yes, I was pretty much with some of the restrictions that we had to work with, including the physical distancing and the seat locations and everything else. That was my seat for the game. And when there was an opportunity to even switch the seat or potentially even switch up the gloves, I was hesitant to make any changes just because the good luck, you know, and the superstition had to come with. So um, for me, it was hard to see. I could see silhouettes and the big screen. I couldn't really see anything on the far end of the ice where the actual players faces itself, but to know when the Jets scored and hearing their cheers on the ice and the music and everything come to life and, you know, working with dancing Gabe and whoever else was just a true opportunity to share that passion from Jets fans everywhere. If you happen to wipe out or take a tumble, uh, that is the costume. Does it keep you safe? Yeah, there's uh, enough room to kind of do a couple things. So you're able to move around and, and jump up. I had one rule. I wasn't allowed to distract the player. So I truly had to wait for those those goals to start rolling in or those intermissions to be able to move around. But as I had a chance to watch some of the highlights after, we incorporated some more towel spins and some more energy to bring that costume to life. <laughs> so are you coming back for the next round? Like, And, and are you practicing to add to the repertoire of towel moves, etc.? 
Yeah, well, I've actually been practicing. I will watch the highlights after the game and everything else just to see what other ideas I could share. You know, I think if Jets fans had their way, Seltzer would definitely be back in the next round for sure. But we'll leave that up to Bud Light Seltzer and True North, and hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll see him around in the near future for sure. There's just something incredibly charming about this inanimate object that you've brought to life with just some just a minor amount of of physical gesturing. Uh, you've sort of endeared yourself to the internet and to social media. Who's this Mike guy that tweeted out? And I don't know who's um, who's working the social media because whoever is doing it and responding to this is doing a great job. Oh, this guy Mike is from Edmonton, but he lives in New York City and just says. What's the deal with this guy? And it's uh, part of the game, I think, from uh, from Sunday night when the Jets came back from 4-1. It's absolutely hilarious, some of the uh, back and forth. And uh, Bud Light Seltzy's answer to what's the deal with this guy is simply this. Sup? Very, very simple in the response. Who's working that social media? It's well done. Do you know, Ryan? It's the it's one of their main Bud Light um, Instagram people for sure, and it was it was neat to see. I think the fans at one point going into the second and triple overtime period, they were checking in to see you know how the guy in Bud Light Seltzer were doing, and he had a chance to respond in in the middle of it all, saying, "I'm okay, I promise." But we were communicating back and forth throughout the night, and as the energy kept coming in through those those comments, and you know the goal started coming in as well, we were able to you know, tough it out and, and really make sure that we're, we're there till the very end for sure. Well, Celci, we admire your spirit, your fortitude, and thank you for bringing joy during the yeah, playoffs absolutely. thus far. Thank you for the opportunity. We are Winnipeg and we have the best fans in the league and we're going to hopefully see you soon, Winnipeg. Go Jets, go. Ryan Giesbrecht, a.k.a. Celci, a, black, <laughs> a can you. of black cherry alcohol. I, love it. I am can for sure. <laughs> and I'm looking I'm looking at a photoshopped image of the water tower in Selkirk and it says Seltzkirk. S E L T Z K I R K. So people have really sort of jumped all over this thing and I believe it's only going to get bigger and uh, more common in your timeline as we make our way through the playoffs. Here. This is really a great idea. What a hit. <laughs> They, if you if anyone has time, they really should jump on Twitter and just type in Celty S E L T Z Y. I was using an I earlier. I don't know why. Someone else on that overtime game. He can finally go home. You did good, Celty. You did good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. And the, these uh, seltzer drinks, by the way, they uh, they seem to have erupted in popularity. I don't know when that started, but. Uh, you know, the odd time I might wander through the like the coolers section or whatever of the at the LC. There's all these seltzer based drinks now, and I have no idea what sort of triggered that. But of course, so once that started gaining popularity, Bud Light had to get on board. And I see they got a whole bunch of different flavors, so uh, that's cool. Maybe I'll have to try one sometime. Maybe I'll have to try some black cherry, just like seltzy. We should probably make it pretty clear that this was not a sponsored segment. Yeah. This is totally organic. <laughs> yeah. We reached out to the Jets. Hey, can we talk to that guy in the can costume, please? <laughs> yes, you may. It's this Mac- is the result of that request. So uh, we have not been compensated in any way for this segment, and it was a ton of fun. Ryan, uh, I'm so glad that you have a little bit of that sports mystique and, of course, a good dose 
of uh, concern for those of us sitting at home with our little mm-hmm. rituals and whatnot. So thank you for keeping us in mind. Stay in the same spot, buddy. <laughs> Nine, Don't move. 9.47. Wave the towel the same way. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.